twas the night before Christmas and everything was well. And fast forward a week and we are in meltdown mode. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Damned United podcast. I'm Billy Lumsden. And I'm Adam Jameson. And we have a, an expletive storm to <laughs> hit you with today. And not really sure where to start, but one place we can start, which is slightly more rosy, is Leeds United squad numbers. We are on episode 29. Current 29 is Willie Nonto. Probably, to be fair, the less said about him, the better. Yes. We also have uh, got some other memorable names in there. I mean, to be honest, the less said, the better. Comes into play with Jean-Kevin Augustin as well. Oh, dear. Dear, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with the worst. The worst, the worst price per minute ratio in football history. It has to be. It's got to be. <laughs> so we've got some other belters in there as well. Ferdinand. Ugh. We've got Rob Hulse. Hulsey. Matt, we Matt, liked Rob Hulse. We did. I actually had a white Mackay shirt with Hulse on the back. I remember. I remember. An absolute bagsman in his day. Uh-huh. Uh, we had... Ian Hart for a season, Mark Jackson for a few seasons, mm-hmm. 96 to 2000, but 2014 to 2015, the one and only Soleimani Dakara. Soleimani, Soleimani. <laughs> <laughs> what a player, what a volley as well. Probably yeah. one of the best Leeds United goals ever. One of the best Leeds United goals ever by one of the most depressingly boring football players. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know what he is. What was he a winger? Was he a striker? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I don't even think he knew to be honest. <laughs> he used to absolutely where, tram around. Where is Sulemanya Dikara at now? Let's have a look. Surely retired. Surely. I don't think he was that old, was he? He's not, and he was actually playing in uh, Al Etifak FC 1920 in 2021 so he could have been playing under Steven Gerrard I believe if that's his team but he's now yeah, playing but... <laughs> he's now playing in Turkey yeah he plays for no no uh, oh we, we might have a conflict because on Wikipedia it says Cypriot club Magusa Turk Gusu oh yeah that, I mean that was me being uh, ridiculously stereotypical and thinking because there was Turk in the name that it would be a Turkish club. <laughs> Not too far away though, but yes, I've got that as well on mine. And it says he's nicknamed Dudu or the Duke. <laughs> oh God. Well then, I mean, that is that is insight that we, none of us needed so close to New Year's Eve. However, <laughs> there we have n- number 29s from League United's past. And it doesn't really get any better there. I guess we've got to rewind, unfortunately, to Boxing Day, a 2-1 defeat to Preston, which could have looked so much different at a certain point after Pascal Strike had scored from the spot. Again, no idea why he was on penalties, but stuck it away with relative ease. Thankfully for us, you know, penalties... Did his, groin, been... did his groin in the process as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll mention that shortly as well because, well, to be honest, I thought we'd we'd miss him a lot more than we did last night. But Cooper, I thought, was one of the best players on the pitch for us last night. Yes, a, a rare opportunity to praise Liam Cooper for a, a typically 
uh, average performance from him. Um, but actually, <laughs> turned out to be one of the standout performances on the night. Yeah, definitely, which says it all. But Preston adds, where do you want to start and, and pick the bones from this? Because, you know, we'll we'll mention more on last night's game and and touch on that in more detail. But certainly for Preston, it was a massive missed opportunity. And a lot of people felt, again, that Daniel Fark got it wrong. You know, not necessarily with his team selection, but certainly the in-game management and the the ability to adapt, depending on the circumstances as well. Yeah, I think th- there's an element of that for sure with Fark maybe not utilising the squad that he's got available to him. And we we named one of the previous episodes slightly stubborn. I think we can take the slightly off now. He is stubborn. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't. He had the opportunity to utilise his squad and, and didn't. And it, it was a very much lacklustre performance where we never, never really got going. But for me, the key moment was the, the, you know, we talk about big moments in games and big moments change games. And the big moment was Melier. And that is just a moment of complete madness. People can say it's the soft red card. And it is soft. But you ultimately, as a professional football player, you know that you can't raise your hands to another player's face in any circumstance and he's gone and done that so I'm not buying all the arguments of it being a soft red card, yeah, it, that's, red card. The thing. that's the thing as well you can buy the argument but ultimately if you're giving the, the referee a decision to make when you do something like that then ultimately you, you're going to end up with egg on your face and he certainly did in that occasion and, and put the rest of the team under you know severe threat I guess yeah. and, and ultimately let them down, which, again, pre the red card, we weren't great. We probably played better when we went down to 10 men. But, again, just giving us that almost the uphill battle and the ability to, you know, not as be not as regimented and, you know, do exactly what we were doing before um, Melier got sent off as well. So, yeah, very, very disappointing. And, you know, obviously you've... You've had your criticism of him this year. That's obviously something else. Darlow, he came into the side for West Brom. We've got him for two more games, those being Birmingham and then Cardiff. So be interesting to see what happens after that. Obviously, he's had some criticism from you know a lot of a lot of uh, fans this year. So if Darlow does have another couple of good games, then it'll be interesting to see who gets that number one spot. Considering you know, let's not forget as well, Melier was pretty out of favour going into this season as well, and I think we put a poll out. And Darlow, I believe, won it 53 to 47% in terms of who was going to get that starting slot. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens when Melia is available again. Yeah, and I think was it Melia's 150th appearance for us as well. So it's you know it's not like he's a new kid on the block. He, he should know a lot better than that, and and the implications of what he did and the impact that has on the rest of the game and the and the team and the results. So yeah, Darlow, and we'll come on to West Brom later on but yeah I thought he looked a bit shaky uh, at times but you know he's not played this season really so it might take him a couple of games to to find his feet but yeah it, it will be interesting and it, I guess you know every every door closed there's another one opening for another player so Darlow this is his opportunity to to really make a case for why he should be the number one and, and hopefully he'll grasp it with both hands and and give Fark a, a, a tough decision when, when Melia is back from his ban. 
Did you think, I know we mentioned the word stubborn earlier on, do you think he should have changed his principles or certainly the way that we were playing when we went down to 10 there? Um, to, to be honest, I, I did feel that, yeah, we may as well just go for it at this stage. Um, you know, we, we're not going to get anywhere drawing games. Um, so I, I did, I didn't, completely disagree with with us going for it a bit but I guess the problem that I had with the the main problem that I had with that um that you know the, the the team that we had out after the red card was the same problem I had in the first half which was actually great right back because I think every time he's come up against a tricky winger they've, they've had the better of him and, and I'm thinking of when we played particularly when we played Sunderland and Jack Clark was up against him um and then with um, what is he? He was called Miller, wasn't he? The the, the kid at Preston. Yes. Um, yeah. He, he had the better of him as well. So it it I just think actually he's not a natural right back, and he he doesn't look like a right back when he comes up against a particularly skillful or tricky uh, winger on on that left hand side for for the opposition. So he was getting undone almost every single time on on Boxing Day. So I, I felt that. Thing. Sorry, carry on. I'll jump in after. Yeah, all I was going to add to that is that we've got a left back on the bench in Junior Furpo, who's meant to be a left back of a particular pedigree, and we've got a right back, and we had a right back on the pitch in Jed Spence. Why not just, in those situations, play the right back in his right back position and bring the left back that we've got on the bench? And for me, that would have been the perfect opportunity at Preston, just to rejig the side a little bit freshen it up as well give give Firpo a start uh give Archie Gray a rest you know he could have even introduced a couple of other changes and if he wasn't going to do it at, at the at the start of the game do it at half time when it's clear to everyone that the 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 performance isn't good enough and, and you need a bit of fresh impetus and uh, some fresh legs on the pitch some new ideas and he, again, he waited until we were one 0 down, a man down, and by that point, it's too late. The pendulum of the game has has swung, and it's very difficult yeah. to get back after that. Leeds fans aren't exactly a understanding bunch at the very best of times. <laughs> However, if Firpo was to come on at half time, or even when we went down to ten men, I think if there was any situation for him to potentially be introduced to a game, then it would have been that rather than when you're looking for a last-minute equaliser at one of your playoff rivals, like last night. There was uh, a lot of groans, and I think the, what? 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 What's going on? Firpo? <laughs> what the hell yeah. is he going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so, That's yeah, Paragra <laughs> in, uh, in the executive <laughs> box. What the hell is he going to do? <laughs> I think there definitely would have been a case for him to have been introduced for that Preston game. As you say, if not half-time, then potentially then. And, you know, instead, he's kept Archie Gray on until the bitter end and he's taken Jed Spence off. And, you know, my thoughts are, aren't great on Jed Spence at the minute. And I'll I'll touch on him more for, for West Brom in particular. But if there is a game where you do that, you shift Jed Spence to right-back because Gray's seriously struggling and you bring a left-back on. If not, if not, Firpo then Byron because Byron was on the bench so yeah very strange from my perspective and that was just another disappointing aspect with the overall game but I think again complacency fed into that 
we've just absolutely spanked Ipswich 4-0. And then you've got, you know, the likes of Somerville, Kamara, Perot, you know, completely off the pace and, you know, very lacklustre in their overall performance as well, which, again, I think spilled through to West Brom. But just very disappointing that, you know, three three days, regardless of what kind of period it is, it doesn't matter to me. You've, you know, you play Saturday, Tuesday more often than not in the Championship. You can't do it at this time when you've just got so much momentum going in from Ipswich then. You know, you don't deserve to be where we are in the league ultimately, from my end. Yeah, and and touching on Perot and, and Ruta, I, I don't know what Joel Perot got for Christmas, but I can only imagine it was Harry Potter's invisibility club because he's gone completely missing. <laughs> someone someone make a search by because I, I don't know what's happened to him. Um it just it, it, it's so obvious at the moment in these last two performances that he is not a number ten. It's for me, it's so obvious that there's a complete disconnect between our defensive players and attacking players. We we get to we get to their final third, and it's just like, oh, we'll just pass it back to the centre half, and we'll pass it out to the right back, then we'll come back inside, we'll go out to the left back, we'll pass it into one of the midfielders, and there's just no there's no connect. There's not anyone dropping deep, uh, finding a pocket of space receiving it on the half turn and and um really launching an attack it, it's it's very very boring to watch yeah as joey, as joey barton would say it is very boring <laughs> yeah let's not mention joey barton yeah, too much. Yeah, said, leave joey barton there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I'd, I'd agree with you and I'm not really sure, you know, we said right at the start, didn't we? If there was some if there was a game where you were going to make changes, then Preston would have been the game to rest a few players, potentially recharge and get them firing for West Brom, which is arguably the more important game. But, you know, that argument goes to pot when you can't beat teams like Preston. It's happened for us throughout the season, Rotherham, Stoke. Sheffield Wednesday, Coventry to an extent, you know, you've got to be beating these teams because as much as you're doing against the, the teams in and around you, you know, it, it matters so much more what you're doing in the majority of those games throughout the rest of the season. So that's disappointing. The Joe Perot and the Rutter debate is just it's doing my head in now. It is really just doing my head in. We sound like sound like broken drums. Bro- broken drums. Broken, broken records. Different records, wow. That's how tired I am at the minute. Sound like broken drums, banging the drum. That's the that's the, the usual phrase we use. God, uh, apologies. So that's the usual argument. But then also it's the argument around, you know, the low block, which again is a nice segue going into West Brom because they pretty much had our number from, from minute one last night. Would you yeah. say? Yeah, I'd agree. And if teams are going to do this, we need to find a way to play against it. It's as simple as that. You can't. What did what's Einstein's definition of um of insanity? Is is trying the what is it? Trying you, things over and over again. And yeah, it's something along the lines result. of that. Yeah, yeah, trying the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. And we're playing teams that are going to adopt a low block. And we've it's two games in a row. It's happened. They've played a low block and. They've exploited the gaps in wide positions through um, very effective wingers. And it's clearly like there's a blueprint of how to play against us now. And teams 
they're going to do that, apart from the teams that have got a very, very clear identity themselves, which are few and far between in the Championship. Teams do tend to adapt to their opposition and, 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 and set up based on how the opposition sets up. Unlike in the Premier League, where everyone's got their own kind of philosophy and just plays how they play. But we need to find a different way to play against these teams. And if that means going a bit more direct, then then go a bit more direct and make some changes to the personnel, potentially the formation as well. And and if you need to go a bit longer, go a bit longer. Um, that's where we've got we've got Bamford, we've got Joseph on the bench. Can we can we play them? Can we play them together? Is the is the potential to shake things up a bit, go a bit more direct in these games where 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 teams play low block and and give them something else to think about because at, at the moment it's it's not working and it's it's not going to change because um you know we we're just going out every game and thinking and hoping that we we get enough space to exploit teams but when they do what they do with a low block and make it tight and compact we we find it very difficult to break them down. Yeah, we, we say this, don't we, as well. We were actually chatting around this in the car and, you know, managers' adaptability to change depending on the opposition. And, you know, I think good managers can do that, but it doesn't define being a good manager as well. I don't think you have to do that. As you say, each manager has their own <clears throat> philosophy and, and style of play in the Premier League. But, you know, we saw with Bielsa, we, we certainly see some of those in the Championship and well. And, and Carlos Corbran is, is one of those managers, you know, they do counter quite a bit. It got Huddersfield to third in the league by playing counter-attacking football all season. So, you know, he does have the ability to do that. But again, we knew roughly what we were going to come up against last night. And I think from a FARC perspective, it doesn't necessarily have to be changing the way we play, depending on the opposition. It just has to be. And I'm sick of hearing plan B, to be honest, as well. Because, you know, it has to be multiple different ways that you can break down a side you know contingencies of if they're playing with a low block then we're going to look at doing and being more aggressive in these aspects of our game and we just don't seem to have any of that or any direction of what on earth to do when half a decent defense you know comes and gets that low block in front of us you know I think Again, this time next week, we'll probably be speaking completely different about Birmingham and, and their low block because they won't be as good as West Brom. You know, they won't be as well drilled. Rooney doesn't even play a low block, but if he does look at changing the way he plays against us, then that's going to be another thing to contend with for us. But against the better teams like this, if they're going to come and play a certain way, then we just look completely devoid of anything. Creativity, urgency, which I know was something you mentioned off air as well we just didn't seem to have anything about us last night and it was worrying as you said it was boring really boring football boring for us to watch and yeah the the urgency just really annoyed me it was almost like Birmingham I mentioned it earlier as well Birmingham was a game where we literally just passed it left to right across the back four last night was Birmingham but just on a, on a bit Birmingham on heat maybe because we got as far as Ampadu and Gruev but then just did the same thing, recycled and passed across and across again. So yeah. with the occasional long ball that did work, you know, it did work at times. Let's not yeah. forget Nonto. Nonto got in a couple of times, but, you know, as you as you touched on off air, lack of confidence maybe feeding in with him. But mm-hmm. yeah, just the urgency really, really annoyed me last night. Even Spence didn't think he was great. 
and I, I don't think he looks interested to be to be perfectly honest with you at the minute. No, he's always I, with loan players, but I just don't think he looked interested. I think if you counted the amount of throw-ins and the average time it took him to get the ball back in play, I would probably say around 15 to 20 seconds, maybe. Uh-huh. And it's just you're losing the game one nil. All we need to go and get three points. Let's get it back in play. And you know, I think not just him, but in certain aspects as well, it fed through to the whole team because there was a real severe lack of that last night. Yeah, for sure. And on Spence, I don't know whether it's just his persona and, and that's kind of his style of how he plays football, but yeah, he, he does look like he's not interested, but I, I think that's probably just more his uh, persona and, and, and how he comes across on a football pitch. Overall, I just thought there was a lack of urgency. Uh, last night and at Preston, but particularly last night. The the only time in the last five minutes, once we hit the 85 minute, we finally saw our winners making inverted runs and, and running inside at defences. The whole rest of the night, it, they just got the ball, made a little run towards the byline, turned back on themselves and passed it back inside. And we just recycled it all the way around the midfield and defence. Only in the, once we got to the 85 minutes, did we actually see our wingers making inverted runs, which is what you've got to do to 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 rip up. We've got the pace and the, the, the quality in the side to rip up that low block. You've got to make runs that they're not expecting you to make and and um you know make make spaces in behind for the for the kind of fullbacks to get in. So if you're just running up to the byline as a winger, passing it back to the fullback, you, you're not creating any any space and it's very easy to defend against. Um. And we don't tend to score that many goals from crosses anyway. Um, so just just working it to the byline and whipping it across, it's very easy to defend against, especially when we've, we we lack a kind of focal point up front. So, yeah, it, it was frustrating. And, and the lack of urgency is really, really annoying in terms of, we're, you know, we're 1-0 down or we're drawing a game 0-0 um, and, and we just don't seem to... We we give teams plenty of opportunities to to get back and get set back into that low block and, and when teams, oh, wow. when the teams are doing to do that you need to utilise the chances you get. The amount of times that happened last night was absolutely infuriating. Just so laboured, you know. You mentioned Ampadu laboured in possession. You know, gave the ball away quite a fair bit last night, and I think that's a certain avenue that we miss with Phillips or a Phillips-like player. Just the ability to have one touch to kill the ball dead yeah. and absolutely yeah. wallop it 60 yards on a sixpence to, you know, the likes yeah. of Somerville or Nonto yeah. or James that can just get it under the spell and get out of play straight away. And it completely, it, it completely moves the overall yeah. picture of the game and moves the defence and, and the midfield of the opposition team as well. So, yeah. yeah. And just, this, is what, this is what I mean with the, with the going longer as well. You don't need to take three or four passes to get it from your left-sided central midfielder to your right-sided winger. If it's on, go for it. Be brave. When when teams are playing a low block, the worst thing you can do is give them time to set up and get set into that low block. You've got to exploit the chance when you get it. And if that means going longer and quicker, you've got to go longer and quicker. There were a few times last night where Gruev and Ampadu got on the ball and and the, the diagonal is on to, to one of the wingers. You've got to do it. If that means losing possession and and put and drawing West Brom out a little bit, trying to win the ball back and catch him on the counter, then do it. But giving them time to just set into that low block, it, it's you know you're just playing into their 
to the game plan. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty, I think apart from that Ipswich performance, I think the last five or six performances with him have looked really, really leggy. Um, yeah. And he's not potentially through no, through no fault of his own either, as well, right? Because he's played every yeah. single minute available to him in the championship minute, this yeah. year. Yeah, we mentioned and, on the Ipswich game, like give him a rest. You know, we were four 0 up. Like, just take him off and give him a rest, or you know, give him a game just to. You know, we've got those players. Gruev was awful last night, which again we'll mention the changes shortly. But Gruev was awful. But you do have him. You've got Kamara who's been good this year, and you've got Gray within those positions. You've got three players to fill his two spots basically, because you know, as much as we've we've not seen much from Manford in the last few games, obviously against Ipswich is brilliant, as you said. He he has been one of our better players this year, you know, yeah. more consistent and performed all year round. You know, he's been a great signing for us. So yeah, it it does feel like we are still missing something in there, whether it that is at the side of Ampadu or someone in and around the midfield that can really whip out a pass. And then obviously you've got the creative spark within that number ten position that can unlock a defence massively missing Hernandez and you know it's a shame that we haven't been able to bring and, four years on <laughs> yeah I was going to say I say that as if he's just out for like a couple of weeks and he's uh, expected <laughs> back I'd certainly take him back that's just all he's a magician um, but he's not that magic <laughs> um, so yeah just disappointing as, as we said just so laboured four five passes to move it 30 40 yards get nowhere and especially when you've got the opportunity to do that, Nonto or Somerville, go down an alley, turn back, and then there's 10 men behind the ball. And they're a well-drilled side. You know, they'll they'll get the playoffs comfortably this year. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they end up getting to the playoff final because they're a very well-drilled side. They drew 0-0 with us at Ellen Road and had our number last night, albeit we were, we were well below par. But they're not they're no mugs. You know, they're not one of these championship sides. I think the top five in the championship are all very, very good teams. So... You know, if we think we're just going to go in the playoffs and have an all like pass to, to the final, then, you know, we'll have a shock. And if we don't keep winning games, we'll be out of the playoffs before we know it anyway. So, yeah, yeah just just very infuriating that the urgency factor, moving the ball, like you've just got to move it quicker. That is any team, not just West Brom, but any team in the championship. Move the ball quicker, like not having three or four touches, moving your head up and moving it. Get it under and give it. Yeah. It's so, so frustrating. Touch it's basics, isn't it? Touch and go, touch and go. Take a touch, get your head up, make your pass. Simple. You know, don't don't hold on to the ball any longer than you need. And should we talk about when we did actually break the line and we, we did get into positions? Because I thought we were incredibly wasteful last night with through Perot, Nonto, Rutter. You know, we, a few times we did get into some really, really uh, dangerous positions. And again, it I got that feeling like do you actually care? Do you want to get on the end of that ball? Do you want to get on that header? Um, are you putting everything on the line to make sure that you're the man that gets to the ball first? And Nonto in particular, I think he's lacking in confidence. The, there were points where he, he got into some really, really good positions and maybe last season you'd expect him to to bag from those, from those chances. But last night just looked completely uh, lacking in confidence with his with his first touch to set himself up and then there is no conviction in, in any of his shots. Arguably a penalty for me. You've got to be stronger and get your shot off. Um, I think he, he did get a little tug, but I think it's one of them where he's probably lacking in confidence. He's a bit a bit hesitant in front of goal and he gets the touch and think, oh, I'll, 
know, I'll go down and try and get a penalty instead of trying to put it in the back of the net myself. So, yeah, I think I think Nantes are lacking in confidence. And the few times where Rutter broke the line and he's just messing around with it, just get your touch out, beat your man and get a shot off. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Those two, <clears throat> Perot a couple of times in the second half, because that ball was on all last, it was on all day long last night. The two big lads at centre half, especially when Bartley came on, they were cart horses, those centre halves. And, and the, the literally the, the direct ball through the channel or straight down the down the funnel was on every single time. Nonto broke the line, as you say, Perot, you know, did the same, Rutter did the same, and just so wasteful. And I think it was all, all that element of desire. Perot in the second half a couple of times just shrugged off easily and not getting his body in and, you know, you know when someone wants to actually down and get on the end of the ball, and it didn't seem like he did because the opportunities were there. They were very, maybe not half chances, but they were they weren't far off half chances. You know, we were getting in some decent positions for the majority of last night through that ball. You know, it was nice that we were still playing it and knew that it was on. It just yeah, and then obviously Bamford when he came on, two three offsides, woeful, absolutely woeful. There's, there's Never got to really be. Yeah, there the, the can't be a player who's made an, an, an England appearance who's then had such a dramatic fall in their career than than Patrick Bamford in the last kind of two decades that I've been aware of England players. So I, I really don't know what happens. He, he doesn't even, he doesn't look fit. He doesn't look fit at all when he comes on now. He doesn't look fit. He, he You know, last night he did try. You, you could see he was... He was trying to do things, but yeah, he just he looks a yard off. He looks a yard off completely, and I I, I really do not know what is going on with that situation because he's on a. I'm, I feel like I'm on the verge of falling into an Andy Tate rant here, but he's on a five-year <laughs> contract. <laughs> His best mates with Farker. Um, no, I, I don't I don't know what's going on with the Bamford situation. I don't know why he's. I don't know what he offers to the club at the moment and I don't know why there hasn't been a or if there's been a conversation about his future because I just don't see how it how it changes at the moment. Yeah. No, not me. And I suppose it comes on quite nicely to, you know, a quick question around I think three or four positions that we might need a player in January. Yeah. You know, left back left back's one of them. Yeah. Number ten number ten's probably another. Yeah, a striker's a striker's probably another, and then maybe another midfielder. For example, if we do need someone that can get on it a bit quicker, play through the lines, or alternatively play that 50, 60 yard pass. Yeah, I think my my priority would be a left back and a number ten. And I know I've slagged off Brendan Aronson a lot. Um, so people are going to be people are going to be questioning. There. They're going to go, no, he can't, he can't. <laughs> but if, if we've got no other option, if we've got no other option, then you know, maybe we maybe we take him out round Beeston and, and, and roughing him up a bit and, and then <laughs> stick him in a taxi. Sorry for, our, um, sorry for our Beeston listeners there. <laughs> you know, we need to he needs to just get something about him and, and I wanna see and this goes for all the players to be honest. I think we are a bit of a soft touch as a squad. You know, Diving around and you know going staying down after tackles. You're playing for Leeds United Football Club. Puff your chest out. Get stuck in. This is what we want to see. And 
I remember the the Blackburn game a couple of weeks ago. One of the biggest cheers in the match was Strike going in and and in, in for a sliding tackle and taking the ball man and everything. That's what we want to see. We want to see people really fighting for the badge, fighting for the shirt. And well, I don't, I don't it see it at the moment. He says it all last night for me. Honestly, I turned to the lad next to me and I was just like, what is he doing? I, I knew as soon as Somerville went down that there was nothing wrong with him. He was keeping everyone on side or keeping the line back. And he was down for about a minute, probably over a minute. They were playing football. And it, it, even in like the game or the Premier League, nothing more annoys me than refs stopping the game when it's not a head injury because if it's not you know they're going to milk it and they're going to make sure yeah you know play on you know and like the fans booing like what do you expect yeah what do you expect them to do and lo and behold he didn't need any treatment he got straight up and wandered back up the pitch yeah and I'm like you're doing that and you're letting your sodding team down because it's not right and ultimately that could have cost us they didn't even get a chance from it so fair enough but it's it's just it honestly it really really grinds my gears because there's nothing wrong with you. You're trying to buy a free kick, you haven't had it. So after five seconds, you're down. Get up. You know yeah. he's not going to change his mind. I'm I'm sure if someone had snipered his ankle from the from one of the stands, I'm sure he'd found the the um the strength to to drag himself off the pitch to get help. And he <laughs> he got he got a little tap on the ankle. You know he did get caught a little bit, but play on. Play yeah. on, fight for your team, and I, I just think that in on the whole we are a bit of a soft touch, and I'd like to see a bit more passion. I'll pose a question to you: Would you be worried about going into a fifty-fifty with any of that squad, bar Rodon and Cooper? Maybe Ampadu, but apart from that, absolutely not. I'd fancy yeah. a chance against pretty much every single fancy one. Fancy chances in a fifty-fifty against all of them because you just know that if you're going with full blood and guts, they're probably going to pull out a tackle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd like to see yeah, a bit more of that passion. And this this brings me on to another point. I think maybe away from home, without that kind of fierce environment that we've got at Elm Road, then you know maybe they lack that that cutting edge that 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 fierce environment and that that atmosphere gives you at times. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's free free away losses on the bounce now as well, which again very worrying. But yeah. One of the scoring one of those goals, and it was from a penalty spot as well. So yeah, you know it kind of says it all. Our away form is completely contrasting to that of of home as well. And you know, step forward, Leeds United, Wayne Rooney's Birmingham come to town and and uh, <laughs> get a win over us, <laughs> which again is a nice segue into Wayne Rooney and his Birmingham side. Well, might not be Wayne Rooney's Birmingham for any longer because they're in a pretty dreadful form at the minute. Since he took over against Borough, they've only won two games in 14, which, again, is, is sackable form in itself. And I think had there not been so much um, uproar around the appointment and the sacking of John Eustace in the first place, I think you'd find that most managers would be gone long before Rooney has. I think the owners just trying to take some pride of or whatever pride they've got left and, and not back, not hitting the, the, the button on him just yet. Yeah, it's absolutely farcical decision to sack John Eustace and instill Wayne Rooney on the back of virtually no credible managerial experience. So I, I feel for Birmingham fans in that respect. But yeah, absolutely 
flabbergasting decision. Uh, but no doubt he will come to Ellen Road and uh, produce a fine performance and, and get something. So, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be a di- I think it's going to be a difficult game on on New Year's Day. It, it shouldn't be a, a difficult game. We should be coming into this, you know, having battered Ipswich. If we'd have got a couple of a couple of good performances uh, against Preston and West Brom, we'd be coming into this thinking, yeah, Birmingham at home. You know, let's rock up, do our thing and win the game. But I think it is a difficult game. I think it's a big game for Fark. I think if you lose, if you lose three on the trot, for for any team pushing for automatics, you know that is that is really a, a massive dent in in any automatic promotion uh, push. So I think it's a big game for Fark. I think it's a big game for certain players who really need to stand up and be counted and, and try and reverse some of their more recent form, in particular, Russell and Perot. I think what the last two performances have shown us is that Perot's not a number 10. He's not going to be that creative player in, in in the number 10 position. I still, we've said it already, I still don't understand why we can't drop Rutter into that position and, and um and and kind of capitalise on his his creative ability uh, and, and ability to get on the ball and create something. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. But let's not forget what happened at St Andrews before, albeit it was under John Eustace and Werner, who's got a slightly different style of play. But they did stifle us. We did have a pretty shocking team out there with Shackleton on the right wing or the left wing, whichever one you want to say. So, yeah, we were scratching around a bit for, for players at that point and we weren't in the you know the greatest headspace with everything that was going on behind the scenes and with certain relegation clauses and, and whatnot as well. But if they are to play that way again, then, you know, we could be in for a long afternoon at Ellen Road and, like, you know, make no bones about it. They've got some decent players. Jay Stansfield plays up front for them, scored seven goals, created two this season, and you've got Bakuna... Donovan and, and Dembele, Dembele in behind as well. And we know all too well what a threat he can pose. Again, whether it's Spence, Byron, whoever you want to play it right back, hopefully not Ailing or Gray, because, you know, Dembele gave Ailing a torrid time earlier on in the season. I don't even think he'll be a consideration, of course. But, you know, we know kind of the skill that and the threat that he causes and can pose. So, you know, albeit they're in a dreadful run of form and, you know, they're only seven points above the drop. I think they'd be well in and amongst it if there, there weren't certain teams in and around that were that were very poor in comparison. But, you know, there's players, again, that we're going to have to watch and, and going to have to make sure that we deal with within that team to, to ensure that we give ourselves the best opportunity coming away with all three points. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it needs to be one of them performances where we're at it, you know, 100% from from minute one I don't think it's one of them where we can I think the fans will get quite annoyed if, if the scene within the first 20-30 minutes is just passing it about among the centre-halves we need to be up and at them in the faces from from the get-go and really force force a performance and, and uh, give them give them something to worry about yeah I agree I agree and brings us on quite nicely to the team course and Fark made three changes. Gruev didn't work, Nonto didn't work, Cooper, one of the best players on the pitch, 
albeit a disappointing performance, but didn't put a foot wrong. Thought he played very, very well, which was good to see. Hopefully more dependable when he comes in. Strike, nursing a bit of an injury, but also a lot of suspect around whether he could be going to PSG. That's an interesting angle. So uh-huh. what on earth do we think is going to be the team? Because <clears throat> as much as he tried defending his players last night, Surely internally, he's come away thinking, yeah, this isn't good enough. Here's what we need to change and here's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I mean, he could start with a, a rocket in the changing room. I think that would be probably <laughs> where where I'd start. Um, but I don't think he'd get away with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he goes now because he's... He's probably done what we all wanted in make the changes. Um, they've not worked. Nonto is low on confidence. He needs a goal. Um, we're not in a position where we can just play players until they get the confidence back and they they get that goal. If it was to happen soon, great. But you know, if you go, if you continue starting Nonto and we get to four or five starts without without a goal, you know what what do you do then? You've got a problem in your hand. James, I thought made an impact when he came on last night. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to bring him back into the side. Somerville for me has been really, really poor last two games. Really, really poor. And yeah. his attitude for me has been all wrong. I think you know, don't don't believe the hype. That'd be my message to Somerville. Don't believe the hype. You've had a great start to the season, but don't just think that you can rock up and do it every game just because you've done it previously. You've still yeah. got to put in a hundred percent effort. I don't want to see you rolling around on the floor. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, based on last two performances, I'd, I'd, I'd potentially bench some of them. I think Anthony did okay when he did came on last night as well. At least he, you know, he got on the ball, he, he made things happen, he got balls into the box. Maybe James and Anthony on the way yeah. for me. Good shout, good shout. I think what he might do is, I think he might keep Nonto or play Nonto and place of Somerville and yeah. bring James back in. So I think yeah. the front four could be Nonto, Nonto, James, and then for argument's sake, I'm going to say he'll play Rutter in a deeper position and play Perot up top. I don't think he will, but I'm just dreaming. So I'm going to say... Yeah, that, that's what I think. Nonto, James, Rutter and Perot, and you're going Nonto, Anthony, Rutter and Perot. Uh, James, Anthony, Rutter and Perot. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would 100% swap the, t- the front two now because it's so evident, I think. Um, but I, I agree. I don't think he will. I think he'll stick with how it is. I think, yeah, I, I still think he'll play Somerville. I think James will. I think the, the, the starting four that he'll go for will be Rutter, Somerville, James and Perot. In midfield, I think we'll see Kamara come back in for Grev. Gruev, I, th- I don't know what he does. I don't know what he does. Oh, do I. <laughs> I tried to defend him last night and say, oh, he's had a lack of minutes. So let's see what he's like over 90. He, he runs about. <laughs> like one of, them, one of them toys you get for Christmas where you pass the ball, but it's on a string, so it comes back to you because it only goes five yards. That's how I described him last night. Literally sideways, a couple of forward passes at times, but mainly sideways or backwards on a slant. By about five, ten yards, if that. Yeah, the Hungarian Luke Murphy, I think. <laughs> That's an insult to Luke Murphy, that. 
yeah, possibly. Yeah, so I, I, I fully expect Kamara to come back. Be, do you think it'll be Ampadu and Kamara? Well, Ampadu's played every minute, well, virtually every minute now of the, the season. I, I think he's crying out for a rest, but I don't think he will get that. I think he'll be playing again. Uh, so, yeah, can Gray come back in maybe? Kamara and Gray? Yeah. Well, I, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I'm not. If I was doing the team, it would be completely different to what I think the predicted team will be. But I, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I would play Gray and Kamara together. They've played together on one or two occasions this season and done all right. So, you know, they both know and understand the position. So I would play yeah. both of those together and give Ampadu a bit of a rest because, you know, if you give him a rest for for Birmingham, you then don't have to have a look at playing him potentially at Peterborough and you've got, a, you know, a bit more of an extended rest going into Cardiff. So, you know, it's not like an international break where he'll be going and playing 90, 180 minutes with Wales. He's got a decent chance of getting a rest. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Gray gives you a little bit more going forward as well. I think he's a bit more uh, inclined to 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 make run beyond the opposition's um, kind of midfield and defensive lines. So, I think it does offer you a little bit more going forward, and and will get more involved in in the attacking phases. So, yeah. Kamara, hopefully, he looks a bit leggy against Preston. Hopefully, a rest will be back to his kind of usual engine room self. Yeah. Defensively, I don't, yeah, I don't think there'll be any changes just because I think I don't think Strike's going to be back. No, I would agree with that. I, I hope they've had a rocket up the backsides, as you say. But yeah, no changes in that back five for me. I think Cooper, you can't drop him based upon his performance against against West Brom last night. So, yeah, I'd stick with the same four. Predicted side is different again, but I will go with what I want the side to be, and that's the same back five as last night. Graham Kamara, Nonto, James, Rutter in the 10, and Perot up top. Yeah, I'd go the same, but I'd, I'd start uh, Anthony instead of Nonto. OK. Yeah, understood. Understood. And last but not least, score predictions. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> what even is this? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go one all. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. We're not scoring <laughs> goals, are we, at the moment? No, we're not. But again, I'd like to think against the Burnley, Birmingham side that we can certainly do what we need to do to get over the line. I'm going to go with 2-0. I do think, you know, as much as we are, you know, almost at panic stations, we're still a good side. And, you know, we should have more than enough in the tank to go and beat it. Say, you know, remember this time last week we were beating Ipswich 4-0. So, you know, it doesn't change. And hopefully we can get over the line against Birmingham and, and look to kickstart our season and start you know, 2024 with a bit of a bang as well. Yeah, it would be nice. And we, we I think to stay in the automatic race, we need an almost perfect January. I think if yes. we get into, if we get into uh, February and it's more than 11, 10, 11 points, then I think we can wave goodbye to what I think we need a really good January. I said by the end of January, I thought it would be 11 points. And that's because I don't think we are going to... Uh, bridge that gap but 
if we do want to bridge that gap, then we, we we do need a very good January, and we need to stay in the race and and not let that gap get any bigger. Because if you get to the end of February and it's still, you know, if you're more than ten points, then you know you can you can just not write it off. I think. Yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree too much with that, to be honest. And I said four at the time, eating my words after Ipswich. I was like, yeah, absolutely brilliant. But football can change very quickly. And Southampton getting over the line against Plymouth, doing what they have been doing. That's now 17 unbeaten, 12 wins in that run as well. Pretty phenomenal run. You know, if anyone's going to catch and surpass Ipswich by quite a margin at the minute, it looks like it's going to be the Saints. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what we are after that game on the 27th of January, where we're at, how many points we're off, how the overall mood is, how the transfer window's been. You know, a month's a long, long time in football and a lot can change within that period as well. So, again, hopefully we'll be looking at it at that point with a completely different outlook and with a completely different perspective as well. So, fingers crossed. But on to Birmingham on Monday. Hopefully we can get over the line with three points. Anything else to add? No. Um, all I would add is, I don't think Simon Grayson's in a job. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Unfinished business. And 7-3 every week, like Ian Hume and John Parkin and all the rest of them that are scoring. Zigic. No, <laughs> that's not happening. Not on my watch. But yeah, again, now is the right time to say it. I've been saying it for the last three episodes, but thank you very listening. Thank you very listening. Thank you very much for listening to the Davenport United podcast for each and every one of you that has tuned into at least one episode over the course of 2023. We're going to be looking at growing the podcast in the new year, certainly with some flyers in and around Ellen Road. So again, please share with your friends, get them involved. Please ask questions. We always want to hear from you guys, the fans that are similar to us, going to the games hearing all the criticism, hearing the praise for different players, the managers and the like. So, yeah, please get in touch with us. We really value your feedback and, and we're always willing to listen and, and try new things for you as well. And 2024 can't be much worse for Leeds United than 2023. It's a very good point, he poses. It's a very good point, unless we miss out on the playoffs, which, again, would make you correct, because I believe that was your start of season prediction, wasn't it? It was, and it's... It's becoming ever so more realistic. <laughs> not nice. Fingers crossed it's not. We don't want you being right. Anyway, so we have been the Damn United Podcast. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you in 2024. I've been Billy Lumsden. I've been Adam Jameson. And I've already done the end bit before the first bit. So adios. <laughs>